Hi, Grace, would you pray with me? Welcoming God, we are so grateful that you have invited us, pulled us into life with you. Thank you for the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness that you've shown us. Thank you for the commitment that you have for us, that you are so committed to our lives, that you're so committed to shaping and transforming us into your likeness. And God, we need you to do that. God, I ask that you would, that you would somehow take hold of, of me, of my words, so that they become your words. Because God, we need to hear from you. We want to hear from you. And God, I don't know where everyone is right now. I don't know what they're grieving. I don't know what they're holding. I don't know what they're celebrating. But Father, as the good Father, you know. You know the longings. You know the cries. You know the laughter of every one of your people. And so in those moments, in their experiences, would you speak, would you make yourself known in a way that is palpable, in a way that is undeniable? Because God, we need you to work in our lives. There is so much that we cannot do. But God, you can do the work that we cannot do. You hold us. You transform us. You save us. So thank you for being that type of God. Thank you for revealing yourself through your son Jesus, for continuing your work through the power of the Holy Spirit, and for speaking to us through your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, Grace, here we are at the end of our series on hospitality, which we've titled Making Room, exploring this idea of what, is it, what does it mean, what does it look like to make space in our hearts and in our minds for the stranger? We began exploring this idea by seeing that, that hospitality, by this idea of making room, is, is at the very heart of who God is. This is what he cares about, about caring for the stranger about caring for the poor, about caring for the powerless, about caring for, for children who are fatherless, for caring for the widow, those who are not able to take care of themselves. This is God's heart. And this is what we as God's people have been called to embody. And it's been a wonderful journey. I don't know about you, but I have felt so challenged. I have felt inspired. I have felt encouraged through this exploration Week after week, I feel that, I, that I'm, I'm constantly being confronted both with the type of person that, that I, I want to be, that I think is possible um, for me to be, not because I have it in my power to do, but because this is the work that God is doing in me through Jesus. And, I, and I'm being confronted with that desire. But I'm also being confronted with the reality that this is also just not who I am naturally, that I want to be closed off. I want to create walls. I want to put up barriers. And that, that I don't, I, I want to hold the stranger at an arm's length and not having arms open, willing and desiring to embrace the stranger. That these two things are happening all the time. And I wonder if that's what you've been experiencing. So as we get to the end, I, I suppose that's, that's what I, I want to ask you, is, is what do you feel like God has been bringing to mind? How has he been stirring in your heart? What has he been doing in your life? What, is, what have you been praying? 
You know, we've, we started this series and we've been going through this series by, by meditating on and reflecting on various passages of scripture um, over and over and over again and bringing those passages um, in, up in, to God in our prayers and, and wondering and questioning, what is, what is, what is God saying to me uh, through, through these passages and through his word? And so I wonder, what has God been saying to you? It's so easy to go through a sermon series, to go, to be encouraged by it and, and to be excited about something and then it's over and then we just quickly pass on. But I don't want us to do that. I don't want to be, I don't want to be a person who just simply closes the door on this chapter of, of this theme or, or this exploration to go on to another one. Like I really sense that there is something here for us. I really believe that God has been doing a work in you and in me in our community. I believe that God has been doing a work in us to, to activate our imaginations so that we are desiring to care for, to, to extend welcome to the stranger, to the poor, to the refugee, to the to children who are displaced, to those in our community who are other than us, who, who do, do not have um, what, what it seems like they need. But I also believe that, that God is, is fashioning us and, and shaping us into a community who, who is taking seriously all that has kind of been coming up even this year. What does it look like to be a church that extends welcome uh, to the people of color among us? What does it look like to, to go to those who are marginalized and, and to bear witness to the incredible inviting reality of who God is? I believe that God is shaping us and forming us. I believe that God has been working in our hearts and in our minds to create space, to want to create space. And I believe that is happening and I get excited to see what God is going to do with that. But this is going to be an ongoing process, an ongoing journey that, that we need to be mindful of, that we need to continue to walk toward. And even if it's, we're not specifically having a sermon series on this topic, I believe that God is beginning something that he is wanting us to continue. And so then the question is, where do we go from here? So where do we go from here? We've talked about this. We've, we've, we've heard from different voices in our community. Uh, but we've also um, been engaging different practices and asking different questions about this topic. But still, what, so what, is it, what does it look like to move from this place to the next place as if there is a next place? And maybe that's even a bad way of thinking about it. What does it simply um, mean to just take the next right step? And so that's what I, I want to explore this morning, so asking and answering the question of where do we go from here? You heard the text read this morning of Mark, Mark 1, verses 40 through 45. And we know this story, and it's a really beautiful story. And it's this picture of Jesus, right? It says in verse 40 that a leper came to him, begging him and kneeling. He said to him, if you choose, this leper, this outcast, saying to Jesus, if you choose, you can make me clean. And then there's this remarkable next sentence, moved with pity, with compassion, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I do choose, be made clean. Now the text wants to make this point of what Jesus does next after the leper approaches him. Jesus doesn't simply heal him. What Jesus does is, is be moved with compassion and he extends a hand to touch the leper. Now that's the first thing that Jesus does before he heals him. He stretches out his hand and touches the leper. I wonder, I wonder what it was like in this moment. You have the Pharisees watching. 
perhaps with bated breath. They cannot believe that this is happening. They've created, up, they've created structures, they've created boundaries that, that have moved this leper outside of their community, outside of the limits of touch and what is clean. It is not good for them to touch a leper, for they might be made impure. But here comes Jesus extending a hand to this leper to touch him. What was it like? Did time slow down? Were their mouths open, dropped to the floor? What is this person doing? But what we see here is that this is an image. This is a scene. This is a moment where Jesus is making room, where Jesus is making space, where this idea of, of stranger and other and the lines that have been drawn between those who are in and those who are out are dissolving because Jesus is extending an arm, his compassion, his awareness to this other, to this stranger that has been forgotten. Boundaries here are being dissolved. And we know that in the person of Jesus, we see the very heart of God, the very character of God and what he is wanting to do and what he is wanting not only his son to be and to do, but his people who they are called to be and to do, empowered by the spirit, working out the presence of Christ in the world. This is the type of person I want to be like Jesus, who both notices those who are no longer noticed, but is also willing to extend that welcome and to make space for that type of person, for that type of stranger. But where do I go from here? I have that desire, but what might be next in order for God to shape and to form me into a person who is willing to make space and to make room and to show hospitality in that way? And so here's an answer to that question of where do we go from here? The answer is simply this, that we become a yes and type of people. That we become a yes and type of people. Now, what do I mean by this? Well, a couple of weeks back, I talked about this, this idea of exclusion and embrace. That, to, that the, having the will to embrace is really the beginning of hospitality. Having the will to invite and to include and to bring people in is the beginning of what it looks like to make space and to make room for the stranger. Now, one author talks about this idea of embrace in the context of, of yes and, in the context of improv comedy. Now, some of you comedians out there, some of you who've been a part of improv, you know that statement, yes and, because there are rules in improv. Rules number one is yes and. Rule number two is it's all about the group. Rule number three is don't think. So this idea of improv, if you're familiar with improv, I've never done improv. Uh, I, I think I'd be great at improv, but I've never done it. Um, it, it the rules are, is, is, or the, the environment of improv is that you have this, these, this structure in place where people are committed to one another to building something together. And they don't necessarily know what it's going to be or where it's going to take them. But it begins 
with a person doing something or saying something. And then it continues by somebody receiving what that person gives with a yes and. Yes to what that person is offering and building upon it. Now, what's beautiful about this idea of being a yes and people or in the idea of improv is that you don't know where it's going to go, but it also means that you, you need another person to do it. Now, for example, if I was going to say, uh, Jake, the camera's on fire. Now, Jake, to receive what I just gave him would mean he would pour water, perhaps, over the camera. But what he's doing right now is he's actually blocking me. He's saying no. He's not yes-anding me. Now, to block is to say if somebody offers you something in the idea of improv, then to block is to say no. So for example, if somebody, if somebody said, don't turn around because there is a bear behind you. And then the person was to say, no, there's not. The scene goes nowhere. There is no environment, there is no tension, there is nothing that is being created. It is simply blocked. And so this idea of being a yes and people in the context of hospitality is something to consider. What does it look like to be a yes and person? What does it look like to receive a person, what somebody offers, to say yes to that person and see then where to go from there? There's a beautiful film called Don't Think Twice, which was written and directed by the comedian Mike Birbiglia. And it takes this idea of, of the three rules of improv comedy and then places them in the context of an improv group, in an improv club, but also it becomes a metaphor for relationships and for what it looks like to build um, friendship and family together. And what we see in this film is that, is that over time, where they began and they began to flourish as friends because they were yes and people, they begin to be people who end up blocking one another. And the various ways that they might block each other, their pride gets in the way, their selfishness, their own personal ambition, really themselves. It's not about the group anymore, it's about the personal, and the, it's about the individual. And what we see is that nothing can be created if there isn't a yes and type of posture. Now, if we think about this in the context, again, of hospitality, if we think about this in the context of the stranger of the other, what, is it, what does it mean for us to be a church? Marked by yes and, where we say yes and to one another, where we are willing to embrace the stranger, where we, where we are willing to embrace one another, and we take the risk of actually building something together through the power of the Spirit. Now, when I think of a yes and type person, I think of one of my sons. And I think of this image, this picture that happened. Um, it was pre-pandemic. And this image is, is my son is, is looking into our neighbor's yard through a hole in the fence. And our neighbor, we're friends with them, but there was a party going on. And my son, when there's a party going on, he thinks, well, why am I not a part of that party? Because uh, his spiritual gift is to be loved by every person. Uh, and, and that's constantly reinforced because it, people just love to, to love him. But here, here's this image of my son looking through this hole in the fence. And he's asking them, um, he, he knows the names of our neighbors. And he's asking them, hey, can I come over? Can we come over? 
And of course, as parents, we're a little bit embarrassed because embarrassed there's a, I mean, th- this is a party. This is clearly like a family, some type of birthday party or celebration. Uh, and and there, are, there are no other neighbors part of this party. But if our neighbors, being who they are and being as welcoming as they are, um, say, yes, come over. And so we spent the afternoon in our neighbor's yard celebrating somebody's birthday that we didn't really know uh, and taking part in all of their different rhythms and taking a part in all their different, uh, just the ways that they celebrate. And it was an incredibly wonderful experience. Now, two things come to mind. One is the image of my son looking through the hole in the fence into this environment where he wants to participate. And he is actually able and courageous enough to say, can I be part of it? But then what it also required is our neighbor's willingness to say yes to my son's like, invitation, or I don't even know what you call that, um, it, it, like forcing himself into that party. My neighbor's willingness to say yes, and why don't you all come over? And then something wonderful and beautiful was created. Another story that comes to mind is, is I'm a part of this, uh, this Zoom life group, uh, small group that we've had really since the beginning of this year. And we've been talking about this idea of hospitality. And one of my friends in that group named Stacy, is she, she keeps describing this, this relationship with this neighbor that she has come to to see pretty often in this time of walking down the street and, and, uh, and, and then wanting to, to really be open to who this person is and what this person might, might um, need or even what this person might offer. And she is, she is constantly in her own way saying yes and to this person, not blocking this person with a no, not saying that I, we don't have time, even if it's awkward, even if, it's, if there's, no, there's no certainty of where this conversation's gonna go or if she's even making sense to this person, but she is saying yes and to this person over and over and over again. And it's inspiring to me. And I know that you and that we all have these different stories. But as I think about our church, what would it be what would, it, what would God do if we were a church who, were, who was so committed to this posture of yes and, and we took seriously the ways that we, that we say no thanks, the ways that we block? And so that's one of my questions is how might you, how might I be, be people who block instead of receive, who block instead of, of saying yes and? And there's so many different reasons to block. There are so many different reasons to say no to the scene or to the thing that perhaps God is wanting to create, various boundaries that we, that we build, various fears that we might have, I mean, various insecurities. We don't think we have much to contribute or much to offer. Or this myth of scarcity that we live in. There isn't enough time. There aren't enough resources. I mean, what are the ways that you might block? What are the ways that you might say no thanks instead of saying yes and? And so if we're to go from here is to be a people who are shaped and transformed into a people empowered by the Spirit to say yes and to our neighbors, to the strangers, 
to the poor, to the powerless, to the fatherless, to the widow. What, is it, what does it take to become that type of person? Well, I want to suggest three things as we think about where to go from here in becoming a yes and type of church, a yes and type of people. Think of it in terms of three verbs, attend, expand, and receive. That to become a yes and person and and people, we need to attend to the work of God's spirit. We need to expand the territory of our kindness, and we need to receive the gifts that Christ gives. So first, becoming a yes and person requiring that we attend to the work of God's spirit. Now, I began this series by saying that hospitality, making room, making space in our hearts and minds for the stranger will only, only be something we're compelled to do, something we're sustained to do if it begins with God and the work of the spirit shaping and transforming us into a people who take seriously God's welcome of us, of me, of you. Only then will we be people who are compelled to extend that welcome to others. So it begins with the Spirit. It begins with the Spirit's leading. It begins with the Spirit's, the Spirit's shaping, the Spirit's um, affirming of who we are and of what God has done. That's where it begins. That's how it's sustained. That's how it's nourished and nurtured. We need to attend to the work of God's Spirit not simply in recognizing the welcome that we've experienced in God, but recognize that the Spirit of God is always at work. The Spirit of God is always at work within me, within those around me. I go back to that sermon that Steve Porter preached where he says we need to begin locally. What is like this idea of localism when it comes to hospitality? of beginning, beginning with where we are. What is God stirring within us, within you? Like, where are you? Just simply attending to where you are and trusting the reality that God is at work there. There's this beautiful moment in Acts chapter 11 where Peter is going to the Gentiles and He's asked by those in Jerusalem. I'm going to get to the specific question in just a minute. They ask him, the people in Jerusalem, why did you go to uncircumcised men and eat with them? Why did you go to the Gentiles? So here's the beginning, right, of, of the, the spirit of God and the gospel making its way um, through the hearts and lives of people beginning first with, with those Jewish followers of Jesus. But then it's always, always the heart of God to extend beyond that to those who were non-Jews, to those who were Gentiles. And here we see a beginning of that. And Peter goes, and then the people in Jerusalem are asking, why did you go eat with them? And the story that Peter tells is a really remarkable story. Because what he begins to tell them, he's like, I had these visions I had these visions of, of where there was food and, and, and there was an allowance to be able to eat this food that, was, that I, we 
thought was at one point unclean. And in verses 11 and 12, it says at that very moment, Peter is, is telling the story after these visions, at that very moment, three men sent to me from Caesarea arrived at the house where we were. And the spirit, this is what Peter's saying, the spirit told me to go with them and not to make a distinction between them and us. Peter then continues to narrate what happens about how these men that, that came to Peter were compelled also by an angel because they were told that Peter would have a message of salvation for them. So Peter then continues to tell the story of why it was he went to eat with these, with these Gentiles. In verses 15 through 18, he says, And as I began to speak to these men, the Holy Spirit fell upon them, just as it had upon us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave them the same gift that he gave us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could hinder God? When they, those in Jerusalem, heard this, they were silenced and they praised God, saying, then God has given even to the Gentiles the repentance that leads to life. I mean, what we cannot miss from this wonderful story, this wonderful story of the gospel extending beyond what these people in Jerusalem thought possible is that it's all directed, all precipitated by the work of the Spirit. What we see here is a Peter being a yes and person, saying yes to the Spirit and following in obedience. So attending to the work of the Spirit, the Spirit of God is at work around you, within you, among you, among us. The Spirit of God is at work. We are called to attend to that work and to participate in what God is already doing. It is God's heart for the stranger to be welcomed. It is God's heart that hospitality be what marks his people. God is on the move. God is doing what he's doing. We have the wonderful opportunity to participate, to bear witness to it. And so where is the spirit of God moving you? How is he encouraging you? How is he inspiring you? For us as a church, how is he working in us? How is he encouraging us? How is he inspiring us together? See, it's the spirit that was at work. Peter simply said, yes, and. And here we are, a part of the great story of what God has done in Jesus Christ. Second, expand the territory of your kindness. Second way of becoming a yes and person is to expand the territory of your kindness. What do I mean by that? I mean that there are certain circles that we create for whatever reason, different boundaries that we put up where, our, the, where we show kindness is very limited. And I constantly think God is wanting to show us as we follow Jesus to expand the territory of, the, of, of those people to whom we are kind. And we need to continue to ask the question is, is, is who isn't here and why? Where might God be calling us to expand the territory of our kindness? Who are the strangers? Who are those who, who must be invited to the table? Otherwise, they would never know they had a place to sit. Who are those people? We need to expand the territory of our kindness. And this often disrupts the equilibrium of, of, the, of churches, of communities. But we need to trust that God still holds us 
And I'm not saying that there aren't such things as boundaries. I'm not saying that there aren't things that mark our life together that we need to hold on to and pay attention to. That's not what I'm saying at all. But I'm saying that it needs to begin with this will to embrace, this willingness to expand the territory of our kindness. That is, what, that is God's heart. So finally, receive what God gives. So attend to the work of God's spirit, expand the territory of our kindness, and then receive what God gives, what Christ gives. And this is a final word in how we become a yes and people. So receive what Christ gives through others. Now we are told over and over again that we receive the presence of Christ by receiving others. There's that wonderful passage in Matthew 25, which is super convicting, which we talked about earlier in the fall is this idea that, that Jesus is talking to the scribes and the Pharisees and said, you did not welcome me, or, or you did welcome me. And then they're confused. When did we welcome or not welcome you? This is a sense of, of, of Jesus being found and experienced through others. This is grounded in the fact that every single person is made in God's image. And this is something we've talked about over and over and over again. We will never be people who make space or make room unless we take this fundamental theological idea seriously, that every single person bears the image of God in some way, which means every single encounter or meeting with a person is a holy encounter or a holy meeting, that we have an opportunity to receive the presence of Christ through other people. I have an opportunity to receive the presence of Christ through you. And this is true even if I disagree with you, even if there are things about you that annoy me, even if I don't know I have any sort of emotional capacity or resource to be able to be with you. But you are the presence of Christ. I am the presence of Christ. Those people to whom God is, is wanting us to extend or expand our territory of kindness those people bear God's image and can be received as Christ. We can receive one another in such a way that we receive the person of Jesus. And when you think about it in these categories, it really challenges my understanding of hospitality and making space. And here's why. Because often, again, we've talked about host and guest, and often it, I think of, oh, like I, I'm trying to make a decision on whether or not I have enough time, I have enough energy, I have enough um, emotional capacity to be able to be with a person. But thinking in those terms, I'm only thinking of, of hospitality as, as what I am giving to that person. And then the question is, do I have enough to give? But if you reframe it in this idea of, no, that person is an opportunity to experience Christ, then the question becomes, what might that person have for me? And that dissolves any sort of these categories that we place up of, of of the, where, the direction of the stream of hospitality. It goes both ways. Why? Because the Spirit of God is at work. Why? Because we bear God's image. Why? Because we have the opportunity by the power of the Spirit to be the presence of Christ to one another. The second thing that we can receive of what Christ gives is the gift of time. It's the gift of time. Hospitality takes a lot of time. And we often think we don't have enough of it. Time is something 
that we imagine is scarce. You, you think about our language, you waste time, or the way you, we use time, or I don't have enough of time. I mean, we use it as, as if it's, this time is this limited resource that we need to squeeze all possibility out of. But thinking about it in those terms makes it really hard to be people who make space, who make room, who extend God's welcome. Because there will always be a reason not to do it. I have a friend who's been, who's been really wrestling with this idea of what does it mean to befriend time? To receive time as a gift. And the thing about us Christians, because Jesus has died on the cross and has risen again in the resurrection and has reframed everything, we have all the time in the world to do what God has called us to do. All the time in the world. The thing about hospitality, the thing about love, is it takes time. There's a Japanese theologian named Kosuke Koyama who wrote a book called Three Mile an Hour God. He observed that the average person walks about three miles an hour. And then he takes this idea and he says, well, God incarnate and the person of Jesus walked a lot. And he, he begins to, to tease this out and says that love has a speed and that speed is slow. That God, creator of the universe, came to us in the person of Jesus and had enough time to do what he was called to do. He says this, God walks slowly because he is love. If he's not love, he would have gone much faster. Love has its own speed. It is an inner speed. It is a spiritual speed. It is a different speed from the technological speed to which we are accustomed. It goes on in the depth of our life, whether we notice or not, whether we are currently hit by a storm or not, at three miles an hour. It is the speed we walk, and therefore it is the speed the love of God walks. So being shaped into a community, into a person who makes space and room for the stranger, it's going to take time. It's going to require time and patience. And God has given us what we need to be what he's called us to be. God has given us the time that it takes to extend his welcome to the world. So may we be a people who are yes and people, who attend to the work of God's spirit, who expand the territory of our kindness, and who receive what Christ gives. And as we are people who are yes and, may the world see like the leper saw, that there is a God who came in Jesus who wants to extend himself to a person, to people who are other, who have been forgotten and experience healing, dignity, wholeness. Man, God has called us to that work. God has called us into that type of life. Thanks be to God for the opportunity we have. And I'm so excited to see where the Spirit's going to take us.